0: You know, traditional career isn't safe anymore. That's hell. It really is hell. If something is like physically draining my energy, I cut it out of my life, including people. You feel like you're in a shitty situation. Remove yourself from that situation. Do it.
1: All right, welcome to the Digital Social Hour. I'm your host, Sean Kelly, and I'm joining my guest today, Scott Clary. How we doing? What's going on, man? Welcome to Miami. I'm in your town, man. Yeah, yeah.
0: yeah. I love it. I love it. You got to show me around. After? We, we will. <laughs> we will. We will. Oh, so man. what's going on? Uh,
1: not much. Give people a brief uh, summary of what you've done and what you're working on.
0: Yeah, sure. So super quickly, sort of to give you a high level on my life, um, background was always in tech, always on the sales and marketing side. So really strong sales and marketing uh, You know, started. Selling tech, and then moved into sales and marketing leadership. Um, led teams to the companies that I built that were acquired. So I had some success there. Now I'm focused on um, capital allocation, meaning I do some angel investing. I'm trying to build a private equity firm, mm-hmm. um, which is a, a wild ride, to, to you know put it lightly. Uh, I run a really large business podcast. Um, sort of summarize like the different seasons of my life. Went from operator into investor, capital allocator. But this is very recent for me. Mm-hmm. So I'm making the transition at this point in my life, because I've had career success, I've had entrepreneur success, I've had, you know, build a company, it's been acquired, never as the entrepreneur, CEO, founder, but always bolting myself on as like the sales and marketing person to help scale it up. Um, and it's tiring as hell. Mm. So right now, where I want to be, like, I like building my own podcast, my own brand. I don't mind building companies, but I rather work with multiple founders in a portfolio mm. manager, or like, you know, you have all my portfolio companies and manage them. And I think that's in terms of longevity, where most people that build companies eventually end up. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, we can take this conversation a million different ways, but um, I'm dealing with, do I wanna be VC, private equity? What are the differences between the two? Why I'm making decisions is to build a private equity firm versus just do angel investing, just do VC. Cause there's so many different ways to make money once you have a little bit to play with and even if you don't have a lot to play with and i'm sort of learning that end of it now Mm -hmm. um so that's where i'm at um so yeah long time sales and marketing i mean that's sort of my thing so that's amazing so yeah your
1: podcast is incredible you've interviewed some of the most successful entrepreneurs in the world yeah you know billionaires guys like grant cardone what was it like interviewing grant because he's a controversial figure So
0: funny, because I actually don't when you talk to him, I don't find him that controversial. Mm. I think he's controversial in the sense that he just doesn't have a filter. Mm -hmm. But when you talk to him like one on one, he's actually a really down to earth, pragmatic dude. Mm. So he doesn't come across as like an asshole. He just says it like it is, which I think for a lot of people that throws them off. He's, he's an, he's another marketing guy too. Like he knows that if he says the most ridiculous shit online, like he's going to get clicks, which is, which is cool. And it's also his personality. Like I think his personality shines through when I spoke to him, it was a pretty normal conversation. Mm -hmm. So when I spoke to him, um, and that was a, that was a fun interview because it was during COVID. So like it was right when shit was hitting the fan and we just had a conversation about how, you know, traditional career isn't safe anymore. Mm -hmm. So the things that you thought, you know, you looked at your parents, you saw them work a job for 30, 40 years and, that was like your model of what success was. COVID fucked that all up. Mm. So COVID screwed that up. 180 turned it on its head. And I mean, like Grant raises money to buy real estate. And that's kind of been his message all along. But yeah. in that particular conversation, it was like, okay, regardless of whether or not you put money into to my real estate assets or you, you work with me, like find a way to get cash flow so that you don't depend on your nine to five. Mm-hmm. And that, funny enough, a little bit of a segue is sort of what I'm working on in my life right now. So like how do I buy cash flow? How do I buy businesses? How do I invest in businesses so that I don't have to be working in a business or working for one particular company for the rest of my life right. to make money? Cuz that's yeah. that's hell. It really is hell. And I mean COVID, everyone is furloughed, laid off. So yeah. all the shit that we thought was secure and safe and all the big companies that we thought would never let us go, that's what happened. People exactly. got let go in yeah. mass. And it kind of hit people that were complacent like, you know, like it really hit them like a ton of bricks. Like people didn't expect it. So, you know, whether or not it's investing in real estate, it's investing in businesses, it's just like understanding how to start a side hustle, whatever the fuck it is. And I've done like all of the things you can possibly do and I've tried them all, and tried to figure them all out. Mm-hmm. I think that the message from Grant and the message now that I speak about is like find ways to sort of future proof yourself financially. Right, so that you aren't relying on that one particular job, one particular company, one particular source of income, and yeah, I think that's that's Grant's message. Whether or not it's it's harsh and and <laughs> and, it, and it comes across, but I mean, it's real. Like it's yeah. very real. So it's like a wake up call for a lot of people, and I it resonates with me. At least that part of it does.
1: Absolutely. One of the things I like about you is you're very open with the reality of entrepreneurship. Yeah, Pe- people don't talk about the lawsuits. They don't talk about the anxiety, <laughs> the late nights. Um, but you're very open about it. Mm-hmm. What makes you feel so comfortable to be open about
0: it? That's a uh, that's an interestingly worded question. What makes me feel comfortable to be open about it?
1: Yeah, because I feel like most people don't even want to talk about it
0: publicly because I've dealt with all the shit and I don't think it serves anyone to sugarcoat the reality, mm-hmm. right? I don't think that makes anybody's life easier. So if you are a good human being and you've experienced something in your life and you've learned from it, why would you not want somebody else that was you 10 years ago to not go through all the bullshit that you went through? Mm. Like, I don't see how that's a good way to operate through life. I don't believe in gating knowledge. I mean, this is sort of like my, my thesis on life. I started a podcast interviewing people, didn't monetize it, well, I monetized ads later on, but I didn't gate anything, didn't drop a course. I was podcasting while I was still working as CRO for a company. Mm. Um, and my my thought around that was, I'm gonna get awesome people that have experienced shit, and podcast is is called Success Story, but it and I'll plug it. But the point is, it's it's not it's not really meant to focus on successes. It's almost like it's uh, it's meant to show that somebody who has success has gone through all this bullshit along the way. Right. So that's why I started the show because I wanted people to understand that like life is not black and white. It's not easy. It's not like, and it's also not like the people that have achieved. The billionaires, the people that have made over 100 million, the people that have IPOs and exits, it's not like they haven't gone through shit themselves. So I think that sort of removing the veil and exposing what entrepreneurship really is is a really healthy way to educate people, to show them opportunity, but to not bullshit what they're getting themselves into. Agreed. So we just spoke about why jobs are not great anymore, why working is, well, people want to work. People, not everybody wants to be an entrepreneur, not everybody should be an entrepreneur, and jobs are great for some people. Mm-hmm entrepreneurship is great for some people. But the point is, you just have to understand what you're getting yourself into and the potential drawbacks to each. There are a lot of drawbacks and putting all your cards on the table in one career for your entire life. Mm. There's also a lot of drawbacks in working in a starting a company as a founder. A lot of drawbacks. There's a lot of drawbacks raising money from venture capitalists. There's a lot of drawbacks um, even joining a, a startup. Mm -hmm. As an early employee getting a little bit of equity in that company. There's drawbacks in everything, but I think you have to just be more candid about it. And if more people are candid about all the different things that they go through in each of those scenarios, then the person coming out of college can make a really smart, educated decision, know what the fuck they're getting themselves into. Mm -hmm. Because putting all your cards on career is tough. Putting all your cards on startup is equally as tough. A lot of depression, a lot of stress. Mm -hmm. Again, you mentioned lawsuits. But it's not just like lawsuits, it's like you are responsible for everything so yeah you deal with the lawsuits you deal with the bankruptcies you deal with when you can't pay your staff you deal with when you pitch a vc and and he or she tells you your idea is shit you deal with when you sign you know an loi with a vc and they and they they screw you over on terms and later on like you realize when you exit your company you don't own half as much as you thought you would and even though you know Bloomberg is writing about a hundred million dollar exit. Maybe after taxes, you're only getting a wire for five million or whatever it is, or mm. actually you get the wire first and pay taxes. But the point is, yeah. it's not easy. Right. So that's why I talk about it so candidly. Right.
1: And you mentioned college earlier. Is that something you will recommend to your kids or would you recommend going to college for upcoming entrepreneurs?
0: Dude, that's a good question. Um, so I think there's, there's reasons why people should go to college. I learned a lot of soft skills in college. So I learned t- to not fuck around in college because high school was super easy for me. Yeah. So high school was super easy, barely tried, always killed it. Mm-hmm. That didn't fly so well with college when you're managing that many classes, that many courses at a, like a higher level of sophistication. Mm-hmm. So I think it allows you to be very pragmatic about where you place your time and your energy and just be a great time manager. And then also understand how to go into a particular topic that you may not care about and learn enough to be proficient at it. I think that's a good skill to use and learn. But after college, like I got my MBA, all the shit that I learned in my MBA, I, I had already learned that mm-hmm. the majority of it working in startups mm-hmm. and working in even large companies. So college is good for a variety of reasons. I don't think it's necessary, but I think that it can help someone structure their life better. So that's a little less chaotic because I can go into a new topic. And because of what I took away from college, well, university, I'm Canadian, but college, same difference. Um, what I took away from that is I can go into any topic and and reach a certain level of proficiency in that topic to at least be knowledgeable in it. Okay. And I felt that like being exposed to a wide variety of things in college gave me that skill set. But in terms of does it place me in a in a career that I need? Well, there's some degrees that you actually have to get to. Right. I mean, like we're talking like lawyer you know doctor dentist whatever but outside of that it is starting to lose some of its value i agree and i also don't believe that it's worth the price tag and especially if we're talking about ivy league shit Mm -hmm. i mean you better network the shit out of that (laughs) institution while you're there or if not it is not worth a hundred thousand dollars a year it's a lot and i think i think business it's a ton of money dude and a lot of business leaders ceos people that are hiring are understanding that there's a lot of things that they will look for that is not a stanford or harvard mba yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't look for any of that. There's things that I will look for in somebody, but it will never be that. Right. So, you know, it has some merit if you take the right things away from it. If you're just going to fuck off for four years completely, then it's not worth it just to get the degree.
1: Yeah, as someone who hires people, I think that's a unique perspective. What stands out on a resume for you?
0: What stands out on a resume? So it depends on what I'm hiring for. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's talk about startup land. Um, it's somebody that, funny enough. The most important thing is somebody that actually hasn't done the job in a a Fortune 500 or Fortune 1000 company. So when I'm hiring for startup, I want somebody that is hyper ambitious, like all the buzzwords, right? Grit, ambition, like all those things are great to look for. But you always want people that are okay trying to do things the way that it hasn't been done before. Mm. So the worst hires that I've always made are people that I thought were hyper experienced. And they come from enterprise, like really, really, really large business. Mm -hmm. Ton of skills, like on paper, awesome. You put them into a startup, they fuck it up. Mm. They always fuck it up because they're like, it can't be done without resources, without a team supporting me, without an EA or whatever support they had in that big-ass company. And then they end up sabotaging their own success because that's the only way they've ever operated. Mm. So you got to think, even as an entrepreneur, it's very hard to make the shift from working in a large company to working in a startup it's, it's exceptionally hard for you. Imagine how hard it is for somebody who has never worked in a startup before and you're hiring them from and then you're putting them into that startup. That always screws up people wow. and it screws up that team. It screws up that you don't do it. I can see that. So find somebody that has the basic skill sets that is proficient, that isn't a player. Um because A players are very important to hire. You don't want to hire B's and C's and, and you know, you want somebody that will set the bar in a startup environment. You're usually hiring somebody that's smarter than yourself at that thing, Mm. but they haven't done it or they haven't, you don't want to be the first time they've moved away from large enterprise. That's, the best way I can put it interesting that would be my best advice if they have moved away from enterprise they've navigated that transition um, and then you can find them at a later point in their career when they understand what startup is Mm -hmm. and they've shown success in startup preferably at a similar stage company in a similar role fine you can bring them in but just don't be that first point of transition
1: right so like we said earlier you've interviewed some of the most successful entrepreneurs Mm centi millionaires billionaires what are some common traits you've noticed from interviewing all these people
0: Um, so one of the most common traits is probably one of the reasons why it's important to be very candid about entrepreneurship. Mm -hmm. Uh, it takes, um, an unreasonable, like an unreasonable amount of energy and time and commitment to be successful at building something. So, you know, hustle culture is not great, Mm -hmm. but candidly, if you are going to build the best thing in that category, and you're going to take a business from zero to, you know, 100 million, 500 million, a billion IPO, like there will be a period of your time where you will not have balance. Mm. And I think that that's what people have to understand about entrepreneurship. I don't love hustle culture, but it's a reality if you really want to take it to the next level. And I think that there's obviously some exceptions to the rule, but the majority of people have have disclosed that there are very real periods of discomfort in Mm. their life that they had to take on and they were willing to take that on to take their business to the next level Mm. and i think that that's the reality that people have to understand it impacts your life it impacts your relationships it impacts your your mental health your well-being Uh, it could impact your money if you if you aren't finding product market fit if you aren't scaling quick enough it can be very stressful so yeah don't love hustle culture but but you will have to hustle for a period of time i mean even myself uh i i built a podcast while i was working full time in a startup environment so you know i'm putting in 10 hours a day in the startup Mm -hmm. and then Evenings and weekends are all podcasting, sourcing guests, doing interviews. Day one, I had no budget for it. Now it's now I get ad revenue, so I roll that back into the team. But day one, I'm doing all the shit myself. Right. So video, audio. And that's because I chose to do it that way. Mm-hmm. I mean, you can be successful, and then you can have a whole team supporting you at a later stage in your career. But like at that point, I knew I wanted to start it early. I wanted to, I wanted to get it off the ground, and I knew it was going to take hours and energy and effort to do. But I'm also a firm believer that if you do anything for 10 years, you will see success at that thing. And the day one version of that thing may not be the day, year 10 version of that thing. But if you iterate over 10 years, you will build success in that thing. And there will be some measure of success. So I stand by that completely. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, okay, if I bust my ass for 5 to 10 years of my life doing this one thing that I know will pay off, I have no problem with that. That's a very small portion of my life for something that honestly is is an asset that I'll use Mm. till the day I die. So that's sort of the reality of entrepreneurship and the reality of a lot of people that have built things. And you'll also see, you'll notice when people build things, um, they'll build it, they'll exit it. And there's a kind of person that's an entrepreneur. Mm -hmm. And once they exit it, most people are not comfortable most people are not just comfortable just like sitting on your ass right so again i interview a lot of people i'll give you two very good examples um one of my good friends Joseph martin Mm -hmm. he sold his company bossy charm for 520 million i think about three years ago now
1: Mm
0: -hmm. took some time last i think three days ago actually and, and we won't put dates so we'll keep it evergreen but three days ago um we're sitting at a coffee shop He's like, scott i need to figure out what to build next the guy never really has to work ever again but it's like it's a mindset so when you build something once and then you sell that thing and you have nothing going on really in your life compared to previously to that exit um you do have to go into something and a lot of people feel that drive and that need i'll give you another example so matt higgins um he's a founder of RSE ventures he yeah. was a guest shark on shark tank uh so obviously super successful guy mm-hmm. Put in his time built a massive private equity firm investment firm um he's like good friends with gary v he's he just launched a book he just wrote a book yeah you're talking about the process of writing books. I'm thinking about doing this too. And he was like, listen, Scott, I like went full entrepreneur mode. So I wanted this book to be successful. So I was like sleeping four hours a night for like a month or two, writing, promoting, getting on podcasts, traveling, doing in-person, doing as much PR as I could, going on Fox and MSNBC and CNBC, whatever. He's like, but that is my version of how to take something to market. Mm. So there's gonna be a period of my life that's gonna be super uncomfortable, but I know that when I get over that hump, it's gonna be good. But i have to like be okay with that of you know those four hour you know s- sleepless nights yeah and just putting a ton of work and he said like even now it was strange to me because um he built his company successful but now this book was like a passion project for him and he said it was it took a toll on my health even mm-hmm. though i've done this a thousand times i have all these portfolio companies i work with founders all the time even doing it again at this stage in my life i thought it would be no problem Mm -hmm. it still takes a toll on your health Mm. and he's also very passionate and and very much an advocate for if you want to take something to the next level sometimes that's what it actually takes wow so
1: yeah sometimes you got to sacrifice your health and it's pretty crazy i did that in college i slept like four hours a day it's not
0: yeah dude that's a that's a very dangerous thing to say you have to sacrifice your health to be successful. I think you can be careful about it. Yeah. But I it's not relaxing. Yeah. That's the best way I can put it. It's not relaxing. I mean, my health is fine. I mean, I still you sleep look good, 6 man. hours. I, I work out, <laughs> <it>, but like <laughs> but but I mean, could I have spent more time with my girlfriend? Could I have seen my family more while I'm in that season of building in my life? Totally. Mm-hmm. So I think another, and, 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 you know, I've, I've gotten sick. I've gotten burnt out again, not a badge of honor, just a reality when you're really passionate about something and you're putting the time in yeah and it's not like it's going to be like this all the time. But if you're building something, you're working full time. Um, and you have like, you know, you have to go travel. Like you're trying to like maintain the same schedule. You're going to get burnt out. You're going to get sick. It's mm-hmm. just a matter of doing all the things and trying to make everything work, yeah. managing your whole life. And it's difficult. But I think that outside of just, you know, there's a, obviously a lot of things you could do for your health and well-being, mental and physical, but also the relationships you have. That's another thing that people don't really understand about entrepreneurship. And this is like a very, this is going to be a lot of like very negative, a lot of positive of, of entrepreneurship as well. But I think that there's realities that people don't talk about a lot, like you mentioned before, mm-hmm. that i rather people understand some of these things going in as opposed to just being blindsided by them later on. Right. So yeah. relationships, friends, family, spouse, better half, girlfriend, boyfriend, whatever it is, um, those are things that sometimes do not survive somebody that is working at full capacity. Yeah, And like multiple examples of that. So I think I'm, I'm blessed because I have uh, I have a girlfriend that we've been together for four and a half years, and she's building her own thing, mm-hmm. and she operates at the same level. But like many examples, people that I've interviewed on my show, and I won't name names because this is a very personal thing, but a lot of people that have divorced, broken up with, um, after 10, 11, 20, 30 years mm. because it just drift away. Time and focus was not on that other person. Um, and unfortunately, that hurts a lot of relationships, especially if the two people don't understand what they're getting into when they start building something. Right. So say I'm dating a girl and we're both working nine to five jobs, just got out of college, and I'm like, I want to start a business. And she's like, yeah, sure, go for it. I don't know what I'm getting myself into. I'm not setting expectations. When she started dating me, she did not expect somebody working 80 hours a week, never going out anything. Mm-hmm. And I am i haven't really prioritized her in a while. That causes strain, that causes relationships to break. Right. So it's not that relationships can't work, but you better be sure that you're setting expectations and that you're purposefully trying to make the relationship work. Because more often than not, it can cause enough strain to break it. Yeah. And that's something that people don't think about ever.
1: Yeah, i feel like a lot of entrepreneurs almost everyone i know at least uh has issues balancing work and their
0: relationship mm. like it's it seems to be a common issue it's it's work it's money and it's like it's funny enough it's never like lack of money it's like when one partner is way more successful than they thought mm-hmm. i've actually i haven't seen this as much i haven't seen this as much with um with men being more successful maybe yeah men Get money and they get an ego, then they cheat, and that's horrible. But I've actually seen when two partners—I have a friend. Um, she was with her, I'm assuming, fiance. She's with a man for 11 years. Mm. She started building a company, hyper successful, generating multi million dollars in revenue per year, and the man couldn't deal with it, mm. and they broke up because of that. So the man couldn't deal with the woman being the breadwinner in the house, which right. is that's that's a wild thought to me. But I mean, there's a variety of things that basically impact the the power balance of a relationship mm-hmm. that people going into that day one, they did not expect. Right. So there was a shift in the energy in the relationship that caused some sort of friction. Mm. And when you, when you take on entrepreneurship, there is such a massive shift, whether or not it was that very weird but specific example or it's you're working too much, there's a shift in the energy between the two people that I think a lot of people just don't think about going into it, which will basically if people don't level themselves up and and be okay with the, the new version of that relationship, Mm-hmm. Then of course they're not going to be comfortable with it. Like yeah. if you if you dated somebody and they were this kind of person and then ten years later they're a very different person, that stresses you out. And entrepreneurship is forcing you to evol- evolve very quickly, always. Yeah, it is. The it is like there is never a situation where you go in to build a business, even if it's not successful, where you will not evolve as a human being. Mm-hmm. So you better be sure that your partner is cool with that and is willing to join you on that ride, because if not, that's when shit's not great. Yeah. yeah. No,
1: I love that. I never thought of it that way. That, that's really impactful. Uh, earlier you mentioned burnout and mm-hmm. there's all these new studies on how stress is really harmful and can potentially take years off your life. How do you deal with your stress and what advice would you
0: give the people that are feeling stressed? Um, so for me, a lot of it. Uh, yeah. So I work on things that I do enjoy doing. Mm-hmm. So I'm very quick to, if something is like physically draining my energy, I cut it out of my life, including mm-hmm. people. I really don't have energy or time for that. And I feel like, People keep, and and you know this, when you go into a room, you talk to somebody, it's just a negative vibe. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know these people, and I think a lot of people keep those individuals around too long. Mm. And, and it's not just individuals. It could also be it could also be you're working for a job too long while you're trying to build something, and like maybe that thing that you're building is successful, but you're still working for a boss you hate because you're scared. But like that nine to five actually makes you depressed, mm. and you feel like you walk into that office and you feel the energy drain. Like when when you feel like you're in a shitty situation, and hopefully you have the ability to remove yourself from that, like that situation, do it mm. as soon as possible. Like rip the Band-Aid off. Everybody knows when they're around people or doing things that don't give them energy, kill that shit because that compounds your burnout exponentially Um, other things that can easily lead to burnout is multitasking. So I'm, you know, I'm, I'm speaking about working a nine to five while starting a side hustle. People are like, well, isn't that multitasking? Yes, but no. Meaning that if I'm working my nine to five or if I'm working on my side hustle, I'm not bullshitting with other stuff while I'm doing that very specific task. Mm -hmm. So burnout is a real thing. Um, People that multitask think they're good at it. They're not. There's studies done on what's called attention residue, which means that every time you switch tasks, you get slightly less efficient and and you really build up residue in your brain. That allows you to or doesn't allow you to operate as efficiently as if you're just hyper focused on one task. Mm. And there's actually studies and I'm not pretending to be a doctor, but there are studies that are done on attention residue. So to avoid burnout, focus, hyper focus on the thing that you're doing in the moment and only that. And then if you do need to switch tasks, there's actually a strategy that you basically time block how long you're going to be working on the new task and the plan that you will have to return to the old task. And when you do that, you uh, mentally sort of enable yourself to switch to that new task without causing additional attention residue, which again, over the course of the day, if we're constantly switching tasks, builds up mm-hmm. and then increases fatigue, uh, decreases the ability to make decisions, increases the feelings of burnout. Mm. So hyperfocusing is one way, in, a, like a very, um, a very tactical way, to reduce burnout as well, Um, again, everything in your life that isn't in line with what you're doing can increase your burnout. So if you have a partner that isn't supportive, if you have parents that aren't supportive, if you, um, I'm trying to think. You're saying to cut your parents off? No, I'm not saying to cut your parents (laughs) off, but I am saying that if they are not supportive of you, then you do have to limit, if you're talking to them every day. Yeah. and you're calling them every day and every day they're giving you shit that's not conducive to building something mm. so fine talk to them once a week or talk to them once every two weeks but the point is if they are draining your energy you have to be cognizant of that Right. so okay are you going to kill the relationship with your parents no obviously not but you also can't let them sabotage your every single day right Right. That's That's it's tough for a lot of people that have really great relationships with their parents but I would say like your relationship isn't great if they're not supporting what you're doing mm. and they're not supporting what you're passionate about so don't break it off, but understand that it's hurting you, yeah. and it is help. It is causing burnout. So again, so relationships, focus. Um, I'm trying to think of what else. I I would say physical health. Yeah, uh, is a big one. So if you aren't in great physical shape, and you don't have to be like a you know you know five percent body fat, but if you aren't going to the gym, if you aren't working out, if you aren't eating right, if you aren't understanding what foods. Um, sort of optimize your energy levels so that you can perform at like peak performance all the time. Like I have a very specific diet that I use mm-hmm. that's worked for me that I've sort of tried to perfect over, you know, my entire life. Um, I think that that can lead to burnout too. Mm-hmm. If You're always eating garbage. Right. I mean, if you're always drinking and all the same bullshit, I mean, yeah. most of the people that I know that are high performers also try and biohack to some degree. Yeah. So they're always trying to find ways to opt, like operate at like peak capacity, right? Peak performance. So whatever the food they eat, the, you know, the workout routine they do, the sleep schedule they have, it's all, they, they all try and like maximize their day as much as possible. And when you maximize your day and you aren't hitting walls at 4 PM because you didn't have a a shitty lunch. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It, it will help you. It will help you do more. It will help you. Um, I guess not just do more, but like do it better Mm -hmm. so that you're not, you know, writing shitty emails or you're, you're not the work that you do, or the you know the document you're putting together. It's not like filled with errors and shit like that when you are operating at high energy. So I say that also helps avoid burnout. Um, but it's it's not like one thing. It's a combination of like everything. But being aware of all the different things that can sort of like hijack your day and your life, I think that's the number one way to avoid burnout.
1: Absolutely. What are some biohacks do you that you do? Do you fast? Do you take pills? Um,
0: yeah. So uh, I'm pretty. I'm a pretty heavy coffee drinker um i i've i've fucked around with nootropics but i don't really like them that much i find that most nootropics like they give you some sort of focus but then you personally i get like a massive down after nootropics Mm -hmm. and like we're not talking adderall we're talking like actual nootropics so like i i don't love the feeling for me my perfect day is uh coffee 9 a.m one and usually around five so like three cups a day that's late yeah, I'm fine with that though, because I'll go. I, but I'll I'll go to bed around like one o'clock, so okay. it's not too too bad for me. I'll do intermittent fasting, so um, that means like a sixteen and eight. So sixteen hours fasted, eight hours eating. Right. Sometimes I even do like a like a a twenty hour fast, four hour eating window, um, and I'll do that in the morning. Okay. So I won't eat until around three or four. And for me, coffee plus fasting in the morning gives me optimal energy. Mm. So I feel like on like zoned in. Like candidly better than most nootropics and there's no massive down because the only stimulant you're on is caffeine right um i i mess around with diets like i operate better on a low carb diet um so what i'll try and do is like monday to friday i'll usually do keto or low carb Mm -hmm. as much as possible saturday sunday i'm like i'll I'll refeed and do like a higher carb diet like really don't care what i eat on saturday sunday and i found that that sort of combination is the best for like energy levels Mm -hmm. um just for like operating uh for being alert um for being like like cognitively present and um i also find like of course like that diet plays into like my workout routine too Mm -hmm. so that's like my best possible diet for working out um i don't do a ton of cardio i should do more i don't do a ton of cardio Mm. i love lifting always love lifting um yeah that's pretty much it
1: how many days a week do you lift Mm, four okay usually four pretty
0: doable yeah it's like it's very doable yeah Yeah, it's like it's it's like really not a lot and like i mean like this is not a um a fitness podcast but i mean like i'll do like um like a like a chest and tries back and buys, leg shoulder abs like very basic split yeah pretty like normal bodybuilder split but i find that works and combined with like a keto diet or a low carb diet which is it's also a very high protein diet yeah it's like you end up looking good too and you end up functioning better. Yeah. So for me, it's a win-win. But I mean like nutrition and diet recommendations, it, it's really dependent on your schedule. It's dependent on like how food interacts with your body. I know people that die on low carb. They die? Not die, like, like, like they're no energy, oh, oh. Like, like they don't die. Like I mean, like they have no energy, okay. <laughs> not actually they die. No, know. like they like, they're not performing well. Yeah, not, okay. no, not die. No, it's interesting um, you said that. I, yeah.
1: I found out last week, I'm actually allergic to most carbs.
0: Like, like, um, fortified uh, and enriched stuff. All, all, but is that that. like, uh, that's not. um, What's the word? Um, uh, like glucose intolerant.
1: No, there's a gene. So I took a 10x Health Systems test. Oh, that that gene (laughs) test. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and I found out America for some reason. they do a lot of fortified and enriched grains yeah,
0: the food here is garbage yeah so is absolutely all the, garbage i yeah. mean like most of my diet like you're talking about keto and low carb it's mostly meat yeah like it is mostly meat throughout the week i eat very few grains what though, type
1: of meat like I, organic grass-fed
0: um i mean any type of meat is better than eating shit that you'd get from a restaurant but yeah, yeah organic grass-fed um sometimes kosher as well it's, okay. it's pretty well taken care of um chicken beef Nothing too crazy. Yeah. Find different ways to make it not monotonous. <laughs> but like, yeah, but yeah. yeah. Um, would you ever do the carnivore diet? Isn't that just pure meat? Just pure meat. Yeah, I would. Okay. I would. I get bored though. Yeah. Rogan does it, but I don't, I like... don't feel. I don't feel like it has enough benefit because I would like literally lose my mind like just with how bored I'd be about the food <laughs> that I'm eating every day. I feel like low carb or keto. Where you can include like cheese Mm -hmm. and maybe some nuts as well. Like at least it gives you enough variety throughout the week to not be bored. Yeah, I mean I don't like being bored with my food. If I like a dish, I'll eat it, but I don't want to just eat meat.
1: Yeah, you know those people that meal prep the chicken and rice every day.
0: Well, that's that's like yeah, that's like a hardcore bodybuilder kind of like. I also find that boring, but I enjoy eating heavier fat foods because I find it tastes better. Yeah, versus because you there's so many different diets, right? Like all diets ultimately what you're trying to do is you're trying to optimize like your your um like your workout and your fitness performance but then you also want to like make sure that you have energy levels and you're not like peaking and valleying all day yeah so chicken and rice is really good for like a like a you know high protein moderate carb low fat diet but when i do that kind of diet i'll maybe perform like 10 percent better in the gym Mm -hmm. because i do have a few more carbs going through my body but i find that like my peaks and valleys like i'll hit I'll hit walls throughout the day mm. and I'll be like, I'll be very tired. Right. So I'll be tired like right before lunch. I'll be super hungry. Um, I'll be tired around three, four o'clock. Um, my sleep won't be as good if I have carbs in my diet. Like there's a whole bunch of reasons. Like it's not like you can't do it. It's yeah. just, I don't enjoy it as much. I don't operate as well. Yeah, that makes sense. Scott, it's been a pleasure, man. Any closing comments or where people can find out more? No, dude, that's awesome. I love it. Short and sweet. Okay. Um, ScottDClary.com. Everything's there. Perfect, cool.
1: All right, you heard it there, guys. Digital Social Hour. I'll see you next week.